You're listening to Arc Radio podcast. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على سيدنا محمد Good morning السلام عليكم Welcome to Mindful Parenting um, And today um, uh, we're, we're fortunate to have with us Sheikh Abdul Aziz السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وعليكم السلام ورحمة الله وبركاته um, just, just to put a context to, to what we're hoping to look for um, we've, we've been mentioning um, or we've had a series of program about Mindful Parenting over the course of the month and we've talked about different themes of communication of resilience and more recently with um uh maybe some of the priorities in education and uh with Sheikh Radwan recently about also the spiritual um spiritual side of 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 the human being as such and today um I want to really focus on um some of your work i mean it's it's very it's very broad and it's in terms of the education field you've been doing so much with it um but in particular um you you were um translate you translated a text called um uh riyadat sabyan so in in particular you, um to do with the text riyadat sabyan um first of all i wanted to ask you what does riyadat sabyan mean for us riyadat sabyan is a book uh which was written by the great um, scholar um muhammad uh, bin ahmed al ramli but is based on the works of Imam al-Ghazali. And what it does, it tells us about how children grow, how children develop, and what we can do to support that development to the point that they can grow to uh, a level of perfection. The word tarbiyah, or the word, uh, is connected to the word rob. And our rob, our Lord, is the one, according to the definition, the one who perfects a thing to a particular point. That's what the word Rob means. So it means he grows to the point of perfection. So Tarbiya is about growing to the point of perfection. And um, therefore the book of Rialta to Sibian is about how do we get this child to perfect character, to perfect physical, mental, spiritual health. Um, uh, going into the the text itself um, is a classical text, um, but c- can you possibly give us um, a landscape for the text? What what kind of themes are the important themes that are mentioned by the scholars in the past about this riyadh or, or tarbiya of, of children? Well, well, the book first of all, the book was written um, you know hundreds of years ago, and so it's in some ways it's principles are classical but its application has to be put in context of the modern day and that's why the, the book that we've that is actually translated is is entitled educating children and what it does it has sections which are from the classical commentaries um, and other sections the second section which is written mainly from my own experience my experiences of a teacher of 30 years of uh, a parent mm-hmm. um, and within my 30 years of teaching I've worked in Muslim schools state schools special schools uh, and across uh, four different continents so what I've done is I've brought that kind of experience to reflect on the 
um, classical text. So, I mean, which is great, alhamdulillah, that you've said that because it's going to be important and that's going to be the second part of the question, which is uh, context. It's also based, the book is also based on about five years of preparation, five years of teaching the text in all different situations. I taught it to a group of psychologists in Denmark, a group of psychologists in London. Uh, I taught it to parents on, a parent, on several parenting workshops, to madrasa teachers, to classic, to 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 other kinds of teachers and state teachers as well so drawing on the workshops that I did and the discussions that took place in those workshops this then formed what became the book educating children so it's a it's a classical commentary but there's also reflection so to speak from real life modern situations, context, modern yeah. context from yeah. my own as I say my own personal experience my understanding of teaching and of course the the, the studies that I've done I mean I've done uh, I studied to a reasonably high level uh, in education. The PhD by any chance? <laughs> and uh, uh, actually, more than the PhD is, is the is the the courses that I did. I mean, yeah. in in the job that I do, every time I come across something new, for example, working with cerebral palsy, then I have to go and study That's several good. courses on that, and several courses on dyslexia, and several courses. So I handle life. I bring all of that into the text. So what what the the the, the, the book is actually goes through several parts. First, it talks about early years. What do you do? How do you support a child in those early years? What what is it that even from before the child is born, from the point of who do you choose as the mother or the father of your child, which is premarital guidance. And then we have uh, what do we do when that child is born? What do we child do as that child begins to we become weaned? What do we child What do we do as that child? then develops the intellect and then the next section is about developing the intellect how do we de first of all we define what the intellect is and we then talk about developing it how do we keep the, the mind body the mind and body relationship correct how do we teach learning consequences discipline in other words um, um, and then from that developing the intellect it then moves into the last part of the book which is about what are the signs of, of a good person and how are these manifest in the child developing into a young so man. So you've got indicators child. really, yeah. a measure, measure of, of... Yeah, and they, they include the company that the child keeps and how does that child define and determine the company that benefits him. Um, what are good manners? And this of course draws directly from the, the Quran and Sunnah. So, so are these indicators socially something that parents can actually pick on and, 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 and in, focus on? And, and, in and the actually... latter part of the book it is. And, yeah. and this is actually the kind of thinking that you'll find in all of the classical texts about character. Um, and, and tarbiyah and about um, developing children de and also developing adults that often they talk with um, in the classical spiritual text you'll see um, they start for example with belief and then in fighting the, the, the lower self and then good character and, the char and then from good character to social duties because the purpose of good education is to make good people who function in a society so that's roughly how the book uh, works and that's the context of of the the, te the, the book educating children. Jazakumullah khair. I mean, uh, it um, needs obviously for, for us to, to, to take it uh, to, to, to gain more more benefit from it. There's a lot more to be said about it, I'm sure. But um, I want to kind of break up the next part into two sections. The first one is, as I said, is a, a focus on parents. Parents today with the pressures that they have, um, with the little amount of time they actually have with children. 
um, need to think about how and where they place their efforts and their time with their children. And there's, as you said, there's different stages that you've mentioned. So it'd be nice if you can give some pointers from the text, from your experience, on what would be the, 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 the focus points at these different stages. And the second part of the question will be about, well, there's another part to the equation, which is our madrasas and, and, and so on. And you've done a lot of work, as you said, with that. To complete that circle, to complete that triangle, what would be, in your opinion, the kind of areas of focus for us in the madrasas we, that at these different stages will help bring about this, inshallah, this, this enlightened human being, inshallah? Well, as I said, the first section is on is premarital, so it's about choosing your partner. Um, and that's something that for people that are not married, they need to think about. For those that are married, they should then be thinking about what is the, the, the environment that they want to bring their child into. And for those that have got children, uh, and at the very early stages, as, um, uh, alhamdulillah, I have grown-up children, I have a, a very young child. They, they're very, they're very um, different circumstances and and for the young child it's what does the child eat for example how does the child eat because when um, you look at the first hadith about tarbiyah about bringing up a child or developing a child it's actually teach the child to eat with the right hand and teach him to say bismillah now if that's the first thing um, in education is to is about the adab the etiquette of eating then it shows that that the eating is actually the first role in developing the child and why is that a spiritual thing is because when the child is born the first thing the child looks for he looks up the child looks up to the mother because the, he wants the mother's he breast so, sweet, yeah. um, so as the child wants the mother's breast he's looking for nourishment he's looking for the greater uh, source of blessing in his life and the greater source of nourishment and this is what the meaning of the rub is the rub the lord is the one who provides so he's looking for his lord and what does he find he finds his mother now there's no shirk involved in that we're not associating <laughs> but the yeah. child the child associates the concept of risk of of provision of food of love of comfort of warmth of of what we call in arabic lutf gentle kindness from the mother and therefore, and that's the first expression of God's rububiyah in, in through Allah's, the mother. That is rububiyah. That is why the, the 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 mother has such a high status in Islam is because at this point that is the man that is how God manifests Himself to human to the, to the baby. So as this develops, then the next thing is to make sure that that process of eating is built on the halal. And it's not only built on the halal, it's built on the healthy. Not only is it built on the halal and the healthy, it's now built around adab. So the first thing the child, first words that the child should learn is not la ilaha illallah, but bismillah. Why? Because I eat in the name of Allah. I recognize my mother, the ra, the one who gives me the risk, who gives me the provisions, who gives me, is actually from Allah. So the first thing the child, first understanding of Allah, first understanding of his Lord, is through food through food that's why food is the most important principle in early education you you mentioned that hadith and hadith has that three parts the basmala um, eating with your right hand 
and the closeness eating from your and and that adab can you point can you say anything about the significance of that adab as well in terms of well, well the book actually goes into lots and lots of different adab related to eating including um why you should break bread and not cut bread um uh, because there's there's a, a hadith about breaking the bread instead of cutting the bread and, and if you look at the word the word companion actually comes from the french compagnon which actually comes from the word the latin which means the breaking of bread so your companionship is the ones around whom you will break your bread so it's not just in those early stages it's about the whole concept of of tibia, of whole concept of of how you um have gone through this process it will end up with correct companionship and so the adab in the very early stages of learning how to eat eating from that which is close eating together um eating on the floor um which is the prophet muhammad sallallahu used to say i eat like a slave meaning i eat on the floor um so so i'm not saying that eating on chairs is, is haram what i'm saying is that that this humility that's involved in eating the humility of eating is what's important so you might sit on the floor in a state of pride and you might sit on a chair in a state of humility and therefore the sitting on the chair in humility is actually correct adab and sitting on the floor to say look how islamic i am is actually not islamic so it's the maqsad behind it's, it's, it's that purpose exactly. really behind that learning exactly. so that's in the early stages yes. and then okay. in the latest the, the developing intellect um i'll give you a practical example um um how much time does a child should a child be allowed on the ipad is a is a practical question yeah 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 yeah. should it be absolutely nothing or should it be limited and then once the child is being has allowed access to a to 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 something like youtube or to to games what 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 function does it have in that child's life and that's what the, the the section on developing the intellect about it's about that one of the section one of the chapters is called keeping the mind busy Mm-hmm. Um, and another chapter is called is about the need for relaxation. So there's actually a difference where some children need time to relax, and sometimes well, all children need time to relax, but also all children need t- time for stimulation. And of course, the iPad itself is is actually destructive. It has many g- good things in it, but it's also destructive because yeah. if you give an iPad, and I know this from my my experience with my my, my two year old, if you give him an iPad all day he'll be aggressive he'll be um he'll be locked in his own world and he won't be able to interact properly therefore it needs to be limited and purposeful um and i know that sometimes for example yesterday this fasting um you know his mother is 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 not well so i need to get him out of the house mm. um we leave the house with not uh, a clear plan of what we're going to do but we have ideas or oh, i have ideas and he has ideas and his idea he wanted to take a train and it wasn't until we got on a train that he was happy um i don't know we took a train from cathcart to glasgow um walked around there a little bit he was as happy we walked into a shop they gave him a balloon and it was like eat yes. um, but that time that he spent with me was what was important and me planning my time now if i had the choice I wouldn't have gone into uh, that shop. I wouldn't have taken a train. I would have sat in the mosque in Etikaf and read Quran all day. That's what I would have wanted to do. But I had to prioritize my time around my child. But what's not just prioritize around the child, but what's best for him? Likewise, Sarah needed to, to prioritize around, around the child. Um, and her priority was to sleep. 
and it is often to sleep because of her health condition. Yes, um, yes. She sleeps long hours because of her, her, her poor condition. health. Uh, and when she does that, she does it so that she's available at four o'clock, full of energy for when he comes out of nursery. So even sleep, her sleep is part of his terbiya. Yeah, and that's why it's not that this book is about something you pick up like you do um, a YouTube video on 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 how to use the naughty step um, by uh, Super Nanny. It's not that kind of book. It's about how do you rethink your life around bringing up children, yes. uh, whether you're married or whether you're not married, whether you have children or whether you don't have children. That's what the, the books are. So in a, in a family life, it should influence everything that you do to make you a good father. To create the environment that you were talking about earlier. Can, can I take you on to, uh, you've talked about two important stages, but the, the, you know that, that third stage that people kind of have a, a lot of issues with, which is that kind of entering into puberty and coming out of it. And there was a nice point that Sheikh, uh, Sheikh Radwan was pointing, and, and it mirrors a lot of what, you know, what, what you're saying about these different stages in the intellect. And that kind of dip in the spiritual side and then that coming out of it again, is there something in 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 in, in what you what's covered in the book that that kind of gives some advice or or in terms of how to deal with that period as best as? Yeah, uh, going back to how we how the book was produced, um, the book is a translation part in part, and then it's a commentary. Some of it direct translation of, of classical commentaries, and then there's my commentary about my experiences, and then the fourth part of every section, every line of the poem is about what other people have said. And what I did, or what we did as a team, we went out to people, and this was all kinds of people, including great scholars like Habib Umar comments. Uh, and then we have parents who are just, just have gone through the process, and we ask questions. What did you do when your child did the following? What did you do when your child um, asked about sex for the first time? Um, um, what do you do when a child disobeys you for the first time? All of these kind of practical questions were put not in the context of, you know, not out of context, but in the context of, of the book. Life, yeah, but, and, um, and, and what applying it in. The, so parents have come up and said, "This is what happened. This is what this is what I said." Um, for example, there's a section about mothers and fathers and the difference between mothers and fathers. And the classical texts say mothers do this and fathers do this, and mothers do that and fathers That's do that. It's a bit hard, isn't it? Um, <laughs> to see that. <laughs> and it's not it's not applicable. That's why I had to reflect. And if I were to reflect now, it would be very different because, as I said, my experience of motherhood, fatherhood and motherhood is very different after my wife became ill because she was in hospital for so long. I became mother and father. And, you know, to this day, my son Idris, he calls me mama. Subhanallah. And daddy. And sometimes mummy daddy. Subhanallah. And sometimes daddy <laughs> mummy. What does that mean? <laughs> but each one of yeah. them means a different thing because yeah. when he calls me mummy, it's because he needs something specific. If he's upset and he's crying and he's disturbed, character of Rahma maybe, he, or he wants mummy. Yeah. He wants that cuddle. He wants that. Um, he wants that warmth. He wants, and he doesn't want his biological mother. He wants the Rahma. He wants yeah. And he calls me mummy, but he recognizes that. So I, I would reflect very differently. The roles are not. The roles are, are still there, and I believe that there are roles of the mother and father, but they don't work in the same way. And Habib Omar bin Hafiz, uh, may Allah preserve him and protect him. Uh, is a classical scholar. He actually said, "Well, it doesn't really matter because some fathers are mothers and some mothers are fathers. Allah as long Allah. as you've got both of them, um, or you have one who has both qualities, 
that's what the modern day mashallah and that's solace for single parents it, nowadays you know it because is, and, and like i say if i were to rewrite it and I, I intend to rewrite some parts of it i would rewrite it with the idea of single parents because i know what it was like trying to change a nappy in a mosque it's absolutely horrendous yeah. it's being a single and that's why during that period i really didn't want to go to the mosque i would rather go to a mums and toddlers group yes where i was felt welcome yeah. than go to the mosque where i was felt unwelcome which can i can i uh, i mean we, we could have two three four programs on this let alone one but um i'm going to on, on the issue of the mosque i'm going to take that lead and i'm going to ask you to 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 you've done work with with different places to complete that circle of experience of education of, of for the child we have obviously the role of the parents in the house to try and pick and uh, deal with these points how best do you think we can make our um, mosques more um, responsive to this complete character to, to, to meet that need um, carefully uh, right, I have to think carefully about yes. this answer because um, to be honest on some issues the mosques are so far from understanding what is really going on in society they have to take responsibility for a lot a tremendous amount where you have single parents not coming to the mosque, like myself, it's the mosque's yeah. fault. When we have parents who... I'll give you one example of a Syrian refugee who felt so uncomfortable with the Muslim community she became Christian, the mosques have to take responsibility for their lack of inclusion. And what they need to do first is to own up and recognize what they've done and stop the sectarian infighting and the focus on the narrow issues of whether we do 20 rak'ah for tarawih or 8 rak'ah because they're the things that are actually destroying our community rather than enhancing and the sharia was not brought here to make us it didn't make us didn't, it wasn't sent, the Qur'an wasn't sent to the Prophet to disgrace us. But it seems that Islam has grown in the mosques in such a way that it is now detached from society. And that's, so far, I don't know how they can get back to the point of where they're supposed to be without really looking closely at what they're from. Internally. But paint me the positive picture, please. <laughs> but there is a positive yeah. side. that yeah. In the process of writing this book, we set up a, a, a network uh, which was uh, actually based around the, in the Midlands, the English Midlands, around Birmingham and uh, in Nottingham, in fact all over the Midlands and Yorkshire and Lancashire, um, where we had what we call the UK Madrasa Network, but okay. in reality it was those, that's where it was very... And what we did is we put progressive Madaris together to share resources Okay. So we would we had child protection weekends where we went on how do we deal with child protection issues in our mosques? How do we deal with additional support needs or learning difficulties? And the madrasas came together and we ran workshops for each other. So this is upskilling of upskilling the, the of, of, of our, our madaris teachers and then so on. Our, our madrasa okay. teachers and our the, the administration because some of the things were, were legal. Yes. And so I would go in and do the kind of training that I do for, for state teachers which you know, I would deliver for, for as in-service training to yes. professional teachers, I would deliver that same kind of training but targeted 
to the madrasa situation, how do we deal with children with learning difficulties? How do we deal with child protection issues? How do we deal with discipline within the Islamic context and the legal context of the UK? How do we deal with um, disruptive behaviour? So this is all about methodology, really. But in, in addition to that, we talked about resources, and they came and brought their issues to the workshops. So we met every month for, for a few years, actually, and each madrasa hosted everybody else once uh, well it turned out to be like every couple of years you'd be hosting maybe 40 people 50 people but that gave us an opportunity to go around and visit all the different madaris uh, and it was a really really dynamic time and a lot of the book came out from that period and i would love to see something like that happen in scotland oh, yes. but but um we can make dua. This is well, hopefully opening for. We need it. I mean, at the end, it's not. We're not meeting the need, and there is the, our children are not getting the kind of experience they need to. And I, I mean, like I said, I've, I've established you know, numerous Muslim schools around the, yeah, around, around the yeah, world, of which the uh, most well-known is Islamia. Um, and but but um, I don't think that is the answer for Scotland, for example. No. To be honest, I think... You mean a school? I, no, an independent school? An independent it's Muslim the madrasas are, are... I think where we need to lift our, our Muslim community is in developing this kind of network of progressive um, thinking people around the madaris, around the, whether it's in the mosque or not in the mosque. It doesn't really matter. It has to be progressive thinking about how do we support our kids. And well, there are lots of opportunities out there with, with homeschooling networks, with... Um, additional post-schooling networks, or, or not post-school, um, after-school, su supplementary, kind supplementary of yeah. type school networks, and then um, sports clubs. We have women's groups who are dealing with all the issues that I was talking about: single mothers and yeah. single parents. And some of those secular groups are actually doing more for our Muslim kids in these. And I know because you're working it, it, in the school it, system it, it, and you, no actually I'm talking oh, from a personal oh, point from a of personal, view yeah. that there was a time where, where the only people I could talk, turn to for supporting my situation were the non-Muslim uh, non-government organisations Head Start for example and they did a fantastic job supporting me and now I'm supporting them with my professional skills um, and these are the kind of people that we need to work with um, there are a lot of mental health organisations which are really working to support developing identity and, and the kind of issues that are specific to our community. There are groups that are working to, to, to end honor-based violence, for example. These are all things which are really um, affecting our community, but can we can help, we can receive help from outside of our community. And so this progressive network that, are, that needs to be established has to be established not just about one or two madrasas, it has to encompass all kinds of sources, all kinds of resources and all kinds of groups. And if we do that, I think we, we can really make a massive contribution to our Muslim community and to the wider community in Scotland. And so at some point... Take and care. that's what we should be doing. If we truly believe that Islam has got something to contribute, then you know we should be doing something about it instead of just hiding in our mosques, arguing about you know where you put your hands in the in the prayer and uh, you know whether Palestinian dates or um, or Mecca dates are better. Um, with that note, I do appreciate all your time. Jazakumullah khair, Sheikh Abdul Aziz, for this, and and um, and hopefully there will be other opportunities to to, to expand on that. Inshallah. Inshallah. Jazakumullah. <laughs> 
For more information and to listen to more podcasts, visit us at arc.score or check out the Arc Media app.